0: Welcome to Wheels Off, a show about the messy reality of the creative life. I'm Rhett Miller. Jillian Metoff is doing a thing that not many folks I know are doing. She is living the double life of a very successful executive, in the corporate world, and a novelist, an accomplished novelist. Her fifth published novel will be coming out August 2nd, and there are a couple of novels that she wrote that never even have found a home with a publisher. Uh, She talks about that in this interview, and it's really fascinating to hear how someone who had early success then deals with... Um, mid-career rejection. She is, in many ways, it seems like just coming into her own as a novelist, and it's so cool. And she's still got this corporate gig that she does. And her perspective on the act of writing, the act of creation, I feel like has a lot of really useful stuff in it. And the way that she's able to convey the day-to-day work of writing while also holding down a job and having a family. I think it's 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 really fascinating and useful. I imagine many of you that listen to this don't try to make a living out of doing art. It's just, you know, the numbers would, would suggest that, you know, there's not a lot of us out here who are trying to feed kids with our songs or novels or whatever, so there are probably those amongst you listening audience who have jobs but also dream of making art. Well, this interview is going to have a lot in it for you because Jillian is really thoughtful and well-spoken and fascinating when it comes to the topic of leading a double life as a corporate warrior and an artistic, creative Um, human being who gives a gift to the world that is their art, in her case, her novels. So her newest one will be out, like I said, this fall when we were bright and beautiful. And I just am so excited for you to get to hear this interview uh, with Jillian Medoff on Wheels Off. Thanks so much. Welcome to Wheels Off, Jillian Medoff. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited.
0: Um, from, for the edification of our listeners, from where are you joining us?
1: I am actually in Atlanta, although I don't live here or work here. What? My parents are here. I know. My parents are here in the middle, like the, the first six months of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. we My sisters and I moved them into assisted living. Ah. And my middle sister is here. My younger sister and I live up north. But I come down like every two or three weeks and I stay at my sister's and work. I have a job job and help my parents. We went to the dermatologist this morning.
0: Wow. Yes. That's a lot.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a it's it it sounds like a lot. But when I I, when I um, get cut it down into manageable hour long increments, it's 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 okay.
0: Um, so, what creative project are you working on, then, at the moment, and how does it light you up?
1: Well, I am right. I'm, I'm preparing for my fifth novel to come out, When We Were Bright and Beautiful, and I have started my sixth novel um, called The Committee, which is about medical ethics and race in 1961. It's completely different from anything I have ever done before and the reason that i am so excited about it is because i have already figured out the architecture of the book and for me that is the biggest piece of the work i do because um, i have a normal person's job i mean I, i get up and go to work and so i have to write my novels in the margins so if i could get the overarching structure down then I can work in the shadows on the m- micro stuff, so I'm excited because I have the architecture. There's no way I will survive this my new book being out in the world if I don't have another project on deck. It's just too much to be that vulnerable out there.
0: Do you find the period between a book's completion and its release to be particularly difficult is that a is that hard oh, for you? yeah
1: I, I, it is, it's, it's really hard. And, you know, for me, um, it's kind of like every book is a conversation and it's not even that I write for other people. I mean, it's really my, it's for me, it's for me to figure stuff out. That's how I, that's what my books are, is, is a way to figure out whatever issues of the day that I'm trying to, that I'm grappling with. And so I, when you write, when I write a book, it's a conversation and so i haven't i mean i've gotten some feedback but at the beginning it's all people i mean once you've sold it and all that it's all people that are on your team
0: yeah
1: so you don't get the other stuff like the stuff you're dreading but kind of need to know anyway you don't get that until it's really in the world and so i haven't i haven't gotten any real surprising feedback yet and um I think the run up to publication is is pretty intense. That's why if I don't have something else to think about um I I just it it's it, oh god it's it kills me. Uh,
0: um do you this is a weird question. Do you like having a job job?
1: I don't not like it. I I feel like I've just I've done it. I've been working and writing. I mean, I've been writing my whole life like I've been listening to a couple of your podcasts and it's so interesting how many artists knew when they were young, right? Or, you know, like my first conscious, my first conscious memories are are of reading and, and my, my parents were like, Oh, when you were little, we just threw some books in the crib and left you. And it's like, (laughs) you know, on one hand that sounds so, Oh, you know, she, we, she, we made her the writer she is on the other hand, it's like, you could have been, uh, reported (laughs) like they kept me in the crib all day, just with my books. But, um, you know, I always knew, but that I was, what I was, you know, and, um, but the idea of not having some security as far as income was that could not stand. Like I, I knew I had to work from the very, from like 11, 12, I was already trying to make money. And, um, So I've been working and writing novels um, since I'm 18, really. And um, yeah, no, oh my God, it's a long time. And so I just have a, I have my system like, and I've been doing it so long that I can pivot from one to the other. And I have tricks that, that enable me to pull back or, or go deeper if I have to. And then also you have to show up like I, I have to show up at my job job. Like, you know, that's, that's also like, I have to get in character. You know what I mean? So
0: when is your best time or are you sit in the margins? Is it really just whenever you have a, a moment? Yes, when it's right? whenever.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, now that I'm older and have a pretty, um, you know, I've, I'm senior level at my company and all that, so I really only work four days. I work four days a week, and um, 11 months a year. And that nice. 11 months a year thing was new. Nice. But um, so I'll take a month off, and and I, I always I've been when I was younger in my 20s, I worked during the day in marketing, and um, now I'm in corporate communications, and um, and then I would write at night and on the weekends, and I had like unbelievable stamina like i could work all day get home eat dinner or eat punched oh, over my computer and then write until for hours and hours and then get up and do it all again wow and now i don't have that kind of stamina you know but um the first time i ever had back to back days was in like 1992 when i went to graduate school that summer I went to a, a, an artist colony. That was my very first time, and I was—I um, don't know—thirty, and um, I worked for a month with no interruptions. No, no, and I honestly, it was an out-of-body experience. I had <laughs> never had that type of total immersion, and it was unbelievable. And and so there's since then, I've always fought my my myself. It's like. If I could write full time, just think of what I could produce. Um, or, you know, alternatively, if I could um, work full time, I—I mean, I could be Elon Musk, right? I mean, in a—in a of speaking, but but I, it, the two have oh, they—they—they um, complement each other, and 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 it really it helps me in in many ways to be. To know that I am financially secure, because I didn't grow up with financial security and living that chaotic, how are we gonna have, you know, we're gonna lose the house and all that kind of, those kinds of conversations that I heard as a kid, I could not live that way as an adult. And I didn't want my own family, if I ever, you know, if I was gonna have one, to live that way either.
0: Do you think if you found yourself in a position to not have to work, that you and 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 you could just stop and write exclusively do you think that the writing would suffer because you had too much time or do you think that you would welcome that
1: well you know that's a really good question and i don't i don't know i mean the reason that i have never taken that leap is that i am too I was always too insecure, not just about the act of having money, right? Having security and a safety net. I had to create my own safety net as, as a young person. But there was also this idea that I don't know if I could pull it off. I didn't know if I could really be a writer. I didn't know if I, I didn't know anything about novel, writing. Like I, I grew up, my real purpose was going to be a middle manager. Like my parents, like, that's what I was going to be a middle manager in some anonymous company. And it, it's not that they didn't want me to have ambition. It's just, I had to know my station. Like, Uh, you, you know, if you know your station, you don't court yourself. And the idea of being a writer, it was, unfathomable we didn't know any writers we didn't know anybody who was an like an artist um and i just even as i was growing up like i knew that i was a writer like it just you just know and they would ask me all the time relatives would ask me everybody would ask me so are you going to go into advertising and i'd say no and they'd say are you going to go into journalism and I'd say no, and I'm like, I want to write stories. <laughs> it was so dumb. <laughs> so I, I didn't ever talk about it. I never talked about it. I just wow. went to work and had a career, and then I wrote at night and on weekends, and I never talked about it. And then I went to graduate school at 28, and it was really because a guy I was dating was moving. He was a big um, real estate guy. And he was moving to paris to open their office and he's like well i think i'm going to go alone and i said well that's fine i'm going to graduate school i had not even applied (laughs) i ended up applying to one school so if i didn't get in my whole life would be different right i just that i i I could not let him have something that i i needed something too sure so i said i'm going to graduate school and i did
0: god so I have so many questions about this. That, um, I've got nothing but time. <laughs> when, okay, so you knew you wanted to be a writer, but you mm-hmm. knew that you had to be a business person, for want yes. of a better word. Right. Um, so I had to
1: be an earner.
0: An earner. So right. when you went to school, did you study writing or was writing some, was writing really that much of a secret that it wasn't even something you pursued academically?
1: No, I studied, um, English and creative writing as an undergraduate. Mm -hmm. And then my first job in the real world was at, um, max factor cosmetics. I was in the marketing department and, um, my other, the other job that I was offered at the time was in publishing. And I don't know back then if you were in publishing, you could make maybe $15,000. But in marketing, I could make 25 and everybody, my (laughs) friends were like, Oh my God, you're making so much money. You never have to work for that less than that again. And I was like, so proud of myself. But, um, one of the jobs that they had at Max Factor was a copywriter and she would, um, like name eyeshadows and nail enamel. And I thought, well, I could do that. I saw that route being a writer as a um, as a profession. It, it just didn't pay what I needed to earn to feel secure. So when I decided that I was going when I said impulsively that I was going to graduate school without having even applied, I um, one of the schools that I applied to NYU and largely because they had an evening program for it was a full time program, but it was at night. So I still worked during the day and went to graduate school. I know.
0: Golly, so, so you've really been doubling up your whole life.
1: Yeah, my whole life. But wow. I know, but it's more it, and it's, I don't know if this is a, a, a an older, the oldest daughter thing or a female thing, whatever it is, I feel best when I'm of service or adding value. I I mean, I remember I got laid off in in 2009 and it was just this one moment. And I said to my husband, I'm not adding value to the family. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh my God, oh my God, you're so fucked up. But I feel better when I'm productive and working. And at the same time, the productivity feeds whatever um, inspiration, right? I mean, because my job itself is not enough to fulfill me and the writing would be, but the publishing aspect of writing, which has nothing to really to do with writing is very hard on me. So if I have the job, then it takes away the, the, the it's really hard for me to be a public person. Like I really have to get in character and, the publishing experience takes its toll. So having a job actually um, is a buffer for me, you know, between right. myself and the world.
0: It's almost like you're distracting the part of your mind that would fixate on the on the business of writing.
1: Yes, and not and also, you know, the um, I mean, writing the the publishing business is really an entertainment business, just like lots of other um, entertainment, you know, and it's not even, I think it's a, it's a, it's not that the business, the business does skew younger, but there's no control for a writer unless you're of a certain level and watching your work get put out. And, and then, you know, it's a paradox because on one hand, you write something and you want to talk about it. You want to, you want to get people's reaction to it. You want to feel what they feel like. I want to know. And then on the other hand, it's, it's horrifying. Oh my God. Like, like talking about my work is, is um, it makes me feel like I'm courting myself. And that was a, that was just, you just don't do that. Nice girls don't court themselves. You don't talk about yourself. You don't refer to yourself. It's,
0: Explain, explain to me the concept of court to court oneself because i understand courting courtship what it's does it mean
1: making yourself bigger than you are huh. like knowing your station don't don't put on airs don't act pretentious where did don't, you grow
0: up that that's a phrase
1: well my my family moved a lot so uh-huh. um i was in we moved like 17 times by uh-huh. the time i was in 17. Wow. I, went, I went to seven elementary schools, two junior highs and two high schools. Wow. And along the way, you know, my parents are very humble people. My dad was in sales. And so we either moved for a new territory or a new job, or it was just really chaos. And the way that we just be nice, just be nice, be yourself, be humble. Don't never be, um, never brag. That was, you know. So it was partly, a, um, I think it was a reflection of my mother's own insecurities, but my sisters and I really, um, we've really embraced it to the point of it's 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 not humility. I mean, it's not humility because I don't think I'm so great. It, it's just more that you have to consider the other person. Always think about the other person. It's like. And I think that's why my novels are, um, I think that's why I am a novelist is that it's, it's like, I can always put myself in the other person's shoes. And so it's like taking the universal and making it individual, right? Or the individual and making it universal. It's like looking at it through the lens of, well, what does this mean? It, 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 you know, how do I take this experience and make it more? What's the commonality? And I don't, but I mean, I don't consciously make these choices. These are all part of the process.
0: That's it's it's uh like aggressive empathy, to the yes. point. Yeah, it's we it's professional empathy. Yeah, <laughs> That's funny you're 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 reminding me as an aside of my I have two teenagers, a sixteen and eighteen year year old, and um they there's uh, so much of what they do is informing me about memes modern memes and mm-hmm. there's one there's one where there'll be a photo of like someone with a nail through their foot and then you'll say like as an empath I'm sensing that your foot hurts or something you know <laughs>
1: right, right,
0: right, so right. so you're basically as an empath um, you yeah. found a way to to make a, a night light No, what do you call it your your um Your secondary job is to write these novels which is crazy to me because that (laughs) is like i can't even imagine but it's really you said it as a throwaway earlier do the work like you you find a way to do the work and for the writers that i've spoken to that are successful by which i mean finish books put books out into the world that's like a mantra right that that's the main thing
1: Right. I mean, however, how you have, however, how you, how you have to get there is that now, you know, for me, that is the um, that's one of the challenges is yeah. it's not even so much finding the time. Cause I can always find the time. It's more, I come from this place of utter um, insecurity mm. I can't get it right. I can't get it right. I can't get it right. And the the when I know that I'm getting it right is when I'm doing. And so it's cyclical. Like if I the the only way for me in any situation to shake off bad feelings or bad news is to to get back in the work. The work is its own you know life sustaining force. But getting to the work, you know, I'll put up obstacles. I'll, um, but I think if I, I think it's, it's, it's taken 35 years or however long to, uh, I understand my processes now. And so I can talk to myself and say, come on, like, you know, like, why are you doing this? It's,
0: so you understand the processes by which you subvert yourself?
1: Yes, I do and and I see it in black and white we always in retrospect. <laughs> you know it's easier when you're looking at what how you've done it, but but um, but if i can if I can really get perspective, and that I think what um, growing older, getting older has has given me is is perspective, And I can look at the whole arc of it of, of how starting out with the books in my crib and um coming you know all the way now i see i i see all the ways i i i subverbed myself but 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 the times when i just triumphed over it you know this... and novel writing is a, is a it, t- it takes a lot it takes a lot to any kind of book you know
0: it, it takes a lot of believing in yourself and that it's worth what you're doing like that you are
1: yes yeah, yeah.
0: it's mean, me- it's a mental yeah. exercise obviously oh, yeah.
1: No, no no i mean but it is it, it part of it is the writing part of it is y- getting ready to write and 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 seeing yourself through i mean for me because i have a, a job um a novel will take four years minimum and my last one, not when we were bright and beautiful, but the one before that took like seven years and it's sort of, you know, you have to look at the the long arc of it. And, and that's why there are so many, for me, I, I, I try fewer false starts and, but, but what happens is sometimes if I get into something and I've committed backing up and restarting is really hard, you Mm -hmm. know,
0: do uh, now this now this is just me that who dreams of being a novelist asking you the questions that people in that situation do. Do you wind up um, doing a lot of revision? Are you a big rewriter?
1: Yes, I yes because my first drafts are um, everyone's shrugging like oh what do you think she said shrugging they <laughs> walk to the te- you know they they walk to- my my first drafts are so bad. I mean, really bad. And so even if I know where I want to go, I've started allowing myself to drop in placeholders. Like they do something, they said shrugging, you know what I mean? But, um, so I'm really a rewrite. I'm not a first touch person. I will go over it and over it and over it and carve it out. And, and I think that is what the, the fallacy of, of, of writing anything is that things can come out in a burst, but I don't know that I'd want to read them, you you know, (laughs) because you, you have to, you're shaping a narrative. You're shaping someone's, someone is reading something and you're shaping how they experience that prose and that story. And I, and, and that like, for when we were bright Bright and Beautiful, for me, it was an exercise in shaping a reader's expectations and then subverting. And I couldn't have written that novel if I hadn't written the the seven novels before it and two of the books that I wrote that I invested a lot of time in. Neither of those sold. Wow. So yeah, I know. Was, and that's another thing too. Okay.
0: Were those deep in were those deep into the, your career or were those or like the first two books or was that later? No,
1: I wish. No. Wow, um, really? Yeah. I mean, my first book was, um, it, I, it was my graduate thesis from NYU. And I was like the, the hot new thing. And I sold it for a lot of money to a very high flying editor and it was the movie deals and I mean the whole thing. And I'm like, wow, this is really great. I didn't, you know, everybody talks about the life of a writer, like, oh my God. And, um, then my second book, I couldn't sell. So my third book sold and then tanked. And then I spent the next eight years trying and failing to sell a third book. And uh, yeah, I mean, this was really hard. And at the same time, I'm working. And so I, was, I, I had this crossroads moment, right, where it was 2009. I had sold two books. I mean, I had two books. One was good. One was a flop. And, and by good, I mean it would it it got a very good reception. The sales weren't over the top. so I wasn't a big name or a big seller, but it was it it, it had succeeded by virtue of the fact that it it it, it did okay because there was also a movie attached to it right So it sold enough to not make me a joke. Um, and then the second book flopped, right It came out. the the fall with the anniversary of September 11th and it just got buried and it it was a big flop. And then, so now that was like 2002. So now it's 2009 and I get laid off from a job after 10 years and I have this, this, uh, what am I going to do next? So I started interviewing. I said, you know what? I'm just going to be a worker. I'm not going to, I'm not going to write novels anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't. And I'm going to make money. So I interviewed at Google. I interviewed at Goldman Sachs. I interviewed at Bank of America. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to do corporate communications, management consulting. I'm going to be the shit. And so I go to Goldman Sachs and everybody, um, the woman takes, we meet in a little conference room. And she gives me her, she says to me, look, let's go back to my office and I'll give you my card. And we go to her office, which is really like a trading desk. Like everybody sits next to each other with their computer. Um, Like you could look over, like all I have to do is turn my head and I can see exactly what this, the person next to me. And I, I get this panic and I'm like, oh my God, I can't work here. How am I gonna write my, where am I gonna write my books? And then I was like, okay, so that's when I knew. Don't do this! Don't do this! Like, and I went back into consulting where I had a lot more flexibility, and here we are.
0: Ah, that's so great! Three books later. (laughs) Boy, talk about perseverance! I mean, that's what what a story that is! What a kind of a roller coaster! And and you had to keep yourself afloat, you know, in your your spirit, your um your your um psyche throughout that. And what what tricks did you use? Was it just Doing it? How did you keep your self confidence? How did you survive um,
1: that? Well, I went, to be honest, th- moving around all, all that time, for me, writing stories, and I understand this now, I didn't understand it then, but was a way of creating this fictionalized universe. And to live in that universe, I had utter control. I had, I decided, and uh. it was a way of like stepping out of the world and being in my own kingdom and it was such a relief that i i started going back to the work just as a relief i mean just to get out of the fact that i hated myself because i couldn't you know like i i was with the same agent at that time she and i were together for 13 years and the first five years she sold two books or you know, the first six years. And then the last seven years, she couldn't sell anything. and I couldn't write what she could sell and she couldn't sell what I could, And it just got to be a mess. And so I started, I just went back to the work for myself and just said, look, nobody's going to see this. You don't have to submit it. You, you just, just do this, find a way to, to get some relief. And that's, you know, that's where I am alive. It's on the page. It's the only space that is pure. And, um, to me, there's nothing better than having a hundred pages done. Like I ha- I like having written the actual <laughs> writing is, is, you know, it's like opening a vein. It's, it's, it's really hard, but having written is the best. So when you have, when I have a draft, that's when it's like the glory days. I love that. I could stay in that, in that space forever.
0: Wow. It's funny. I, I think about writing a lot, but I don't think often enough perhaps about the self empowering element of it. The, the idea that by world building you, you know, you create a space for yourself. That's better than the, perhaps the one you're in and it's giving yeah. you this power over everything. I love that.
1: Yeah. And it's not even, it's, it's, it's not even that. I mean, the world that you, that you build, May be apocalyptic?
0: Sure, okay. yeah but you better. have
1: right, but you have the means to change it. and and to to me, there's no place. I, I would I would tell my husband this, and and he just could not understand it. For me, writing would be like slipping into a warm bath. it It's so immersive. I don't hear anything, I don't feel anything. i don't I don't even consciously think. It's just, it becomes, I become part, it becomes part of me, or maybe part of me comes out. I don't, I don't know all of the, the, I don't know the right, the best description of it. I just know that there is no, to be alive and conscious and doing my life, to not have that is not an option, to not have that refuge is, is, I can't imagine not, not writing.
0: That's great. I love that though. Yeah, but um, it's also
1: an albatross but that's okay We have have that <laughs> <some time. laughs> like oh my God, <laughs> like, oh my God.
0: <laughs> does it feel like that I mean does it does it at times feel like uh, an, uh, an addiction or a compulsion or something that you would love to be able to step away from but can't I mean you you yes. couldn't you you tried to step away and you couldn't I did
1: and I couldn't yeah I mean it's like I think of a mathematician right I mean they solve for X. And that's it. They get to go home (laughs) for the day. And there was this show once on, I don't know what channel, but it was with David Duchovny, and he was a novelist. And he said at best, it's like being a writer is having homework every day. Like you always have homework, and then you feel guilty that you're not doing it. And then when you're doing it, it can feel good depending on the part of the process. But it becomes something that your whole life is built around. And how do you build a, a life with that kind of, um, with that kind, not so much pressure, because I don't feel, I guess it is pressure, but it's more, it's a given, you know? So if, they, if you start with the given, then how do you do what normal people do? How do you get married? How do you have kids? How do you, like all of those things become, you have to solve for them. With the writing, for me, was always at the center. So I didn't really have those things until I was almost 40. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's funny, though, to hear you describe it. It really does almost sound like somebody who's talking about, you know, like when when people in their lives know that every day they have to have three pints of beer or uh, three whiskeys or whatever. Like, okay, well, I have to do that. So... I guess we're going to Uber, and I guess we're going to you know like it's that you have to plan around this thing that's taken over a large portion of your life. But in your case, it's this really brilliant thing that you do and share with the world that you give a gift you give to the world. I hope it feels like that for you.
1: Oh no, I could never say that. That's putting on airs. That's courting myself. Courting yourself. (laughs) I I have a love affair with the work. It is a absolute passionate obsessive. I think about it all the time. I take notes about it. I dream about it and then I turn it in and then it goes through a whole different process, which is the publishing process, which really is not about the writing process. And I have to start unloving it. And the only way to unlove it is to find a new passion. That's the only way. And I should be, in theory, um, deeper and long you know, into my new book, um, but I'm not like I have like maybe three pages. But I know I know the architecture, so that's that's a big weight off my shoulders. But I would like to be deeper into it by August second.
0: Because so this book number I can't love it. I can't <laughs> love the
1: other thing as much.
0: You need a hundred pages.
1: I know, yeah,
0: yeah. Um so this book, number six or number nine, depending on how we're counting them, that's yes. the, the the brand new and the committee. So you already have a name for it. Is that something you always do? Do you name it in early early stages to let yourself see it as a, as a thing?
1: No, I always name it. It it I I name it very 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 late. So this one is a very different experience because I I know the I know the title, and I know the the structure. I know the number of characters. I know so much about it, which I, I've never, ever, ever had. I mean, what I'll do is I'll start with an image or a thought. or And, and nine times out of 10, I start from a place of rage. And see, that's the, that's the big secret, is that all of the rage and sorrow that I carried as a kid, moving, 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 I swallowed. And writing was a place to express that stuff. And um, so, one of the things that I've learned now, it's with this book, I have confronted a lot of that rage and sorrow, right? And I, because I carried it throughout my whole career. And for the, I, I really believe that now that I've faced this stuff head on, I can start writing about other things
0: really, it's really
1: crazy. Yeah. That's it's really great. crazy.
0: So this is when we were bright and beautiful it is, did that for you?
1: Yeah. It's about sexual violence, really. Uh. I mean, it's not about, I mean, it's about other things, sure. but it's also about consciousness and, and, and knowing we know things, but not being able to, um, explicitly confront them. Wow. And yeah. And I mean, it's a story of, obviously it's about a family, but, sure. um, but to me, as, a, as the creator, it was really dealing with the idea of knowing things that had happened to me throughout my life that I could not, would not face, facing it. And it's almost like now I can shrug it off and start really looking at things that interest me. It's, it's a, such a weird thing, too, because if you look at the four books that came before it, you can see a common thread throughout all of them about, um, anger and, and, and truly just, um, hard things, suicide ideation. I I mean, it's, it, it, and they are funny books. I I don't mean to like cast them all, but, but at the root of them there, it's about, um, self like understanding yourself right at different stages. And, It's almost like I had to come to the the, coming to this one was inevitable, right? But now that I have, it's like almost like I can shrug a lot of that off. And I and I can, it's like growing up, you know, it's like you can start looking at things that are truly outside your own experience.
0: I love that, but it is, it's such a long journey it's such a long game for you novelists you know you can write a song (laughs) and it's three minutes boom
1: you have no idea i think there are times where i would feel so lucky because i would go to an artist colony right i take my month i go away and you'd see you know people driving in on these flatbed trucks with paint and 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 canvases and tools and I would be like, well, I got my pencil and I yeah. got my paper and I'm just going to write a story. But at the same time, you know, they're done in, in, in two or three days. Whereas I'm like, well, you know, I have like three paragraphs. So,
0: wow. Yes. Yeah. So um, now that you are at potentially the end of this big chapter of your one chapter of your writing life, maybe. Right. um, I wonder if you would be willing to, um, imagine a 21 year old version of yourself, but in today's world, uh, and what advice might you give her?
1: Um, I, if I, I mean, at, at the most basic, it would be like get out of your own way, right? Like trust the work. You truly, you're doing the right thing. You know, you don't have to be a full-time writer. You don't have to be a full-time worker. You just stay the course. And um, I think if I had had more confidence back then, I, I I, I think I, the struggle might not have been as hard. But I think I would have ended up in the same place. I mean, I really do. I, I and even though now, like with technology, and I look at my kids. I have three kids and. I look at how they how different their lives are. Um, what I what I hope for them is that they that they don't struggle with that same abject self-loathing that 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 I struggled with when I was growing up. And they learn how to take advantage of of their luck. I mean, because so much of what we do as as an artist is um you have to capitalize on luck because the only one of the only reasons, and not be, one of the reasons that my first book was sold in the first place was just a, a circumstance. I happened to be writing in first person. I happened to be writing novels as opposed to haikus. I happened to be writing um, about eating disorders and other types of dysfunctional issues that were like top of, you know, people were, I happened to be white. I happened to be female. There were just so many things at that time that worked in my favor, and I capitalized on it. And um, if I had just had more confidence that it would happen again, it might not have, the struggle might not have been as hard. But to, to write well and to really um, shape a narrative that, that has people feeling things. Um, it, it's not, it it's, it's hard and you have to accept that it's hard. Yeah. Cause it's like, also your puzzle, you're solving a puzzle in some ways, like writing a novel, you're working in like three dimensions of time. Cause there's the, the, the actual plot that the through line, and then there's the, the time that happens within the novel. So you say like three days later, and it has to be three days later. It has to be the seasons have to be right. Like three days later, they were wearing coats. It can't be, you know what I mean? Like all of these things have to be, have to, they, there has to be synergy between between it all. And that to me is the most, the, the best part of it is plotting it. It's like figuring out all that, making sure that all the puzzle pieces work.
0: And it feels good.
1: It feels so good.
0: That's I mean, in this awesome.
1: book that's coming out, um, it's, there's a trial, an actual legal trial. And for a year, maybe two, maybe 18 months, I did everything I could to avoid the trial. Right. Cause I'm like, I can't do, that. there's no way I can do that. And I said it 20 years in the future. I'm like, this way I don't even have to, you know, it happened in the past so I can refer to it. Or I said it in, um, you know, I, I was going to change the, the, the crime. So that I, I just didn't have to go to trial. I was going to have them settle. I, I did everything, and fine, and everybody was like, "No, it's too distant." But it just write it the way it happened. And I, and I'm I'm like I I wasted so much time, but I finally did it. And then that became its own experience: is writing, learning how to write a trial. I mean, right now I am like I feel like I could I could I could represent you if you <laughs> committed a felony. Just I could do it.
0: It's funny. So to hear you describe like the, the early experience of after the first book and and just to describe uh, the difficulties you faced in eventually finally writing this trial, it, it really makes me think about that idea that like we should be grateful for the struggle. Like the struggle is not something that we should avoid or regret having happened. Like the struggle is the thing that in a lot of ways was the gift of the work. Right. Sure. I think that's very astute. And I think, um,
1: it's, it's a hard lesson to, to, to learn and to impart. I mean, how do you tell someone, I mean, in some ways it's like, it it may, it it sounds contradictory, but at, at the end of it, it's like hearing, it's like when you teach someone something, you can teach it, but unless they actually live it, it might not have the same resonance. But it is true that through that struggle, it the book becomes more authentic, it becomes more honest, it becomes more lived in you know there's so much of this book that is not about me, and yet I feel like I, on a cellular level i I know this book inside and out, and the only way to do that is to write and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite because otherwise it you can the reader can feel the distance, yeah. you know.
0: Uh, well, I'm really glad that you wrote it. I'm really glad that it's going to be out in the world. And congratulations. It's so exciting.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you. Will you tell me just a little bit about your book?
0: Oh, <laughs> before we finish? Okay. Well, you know what? Since my book is coming out the same day as your book, and they're not competitive at all, <laughs> my, uh, my little brown young readers will be putting out my second book for kids. The first was a book of kids' poems. And this is this is a standalone storybook but it is all in rhyme and it's it's called the baby changing station um and it's about an older brother who gets a new little brother and and um is resentful of this cute kid of course the sibling rivalry thing Mm -hmm. that um that so many kids relate to um people have made People have names, and my name is James. I'm a regular 10-year-old kid. I always thought I was nice, but I'm not. I feel bad about this thing that I did. it's it, so awesome. It, it turns out he he gets the opportunity to trade his baby brother in, unbeknownst to anyone, at this magical baby changing station. And uh, you'll have to read the book to find out whether or not he chooses one of the fabulous gifts or decides to keep his baby brother.
1: I love that. I love that. It, it would be funny if we... Um, if like we did appearances at each other's (laughs) (laughs) other's events, like if you went and and promoted when we were back, you know, and like, you're reading this
0: really hardcore moment of like, just yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, and then the baby squealed, (laughs)
1: right? (laughs)
0: this is so cool i'm really glad i got to meet you and speak with you and i'm so excited to to get to share this conversation with the listeners of wheels off because i just think it's so useful and great really i mean this is a perspective that i haven't gotten in a hundred plus episodes of this someone who i mean i've spoken to people that carry real jobs, but the fact that you've done both at the level you've done, you know, the corporate world Mm -hmm. and uh, writing novels, I just think it's really inspiring because I think a lot of people listening don't try to make their living solely from art, but are interested in what if I were to try and follow this dream I have of making art. And so I think that your perspective is really useful and I'm really grateful that you shared it with us.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you so much for for having me. And um, the lines are open. I'm happy to advise anyone who wants to, you know, have a career, but also write in the shadows. There's the one thing that I know for sure is that I and I said this before is that I had no control over what happened to my books after I they, you know, they left. But when I was in my darkest period of of, of rejections, I mean like really eight years on and on and on i was going to be the one who decided if i quit or not you know and and being the person to say no 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 you're not going to tell me i'm done i'll say when i'm done and that was another thing that really enabled me to, to to move forward was just feeling like this is the one thing that you can you can reject me you can tell me i suck you can tell me anything um but that to say that I'm not a writer or that I shouldn't do it, that's not for you to say. No one can say that except me, and that's really sometimes at the end of it, like all I have, right? I mean, that's that's the thing that matters. I mean, kids and family and all that is important, but but my core is um, I'm a novelist. I I do one thing, and I you know that's what I do. I do I do one thing, and you know ah. it's funny guys like I was always say, well, you know, I have a regular job, so I don't write book reviews and I don't. I can't do anything else because I don't have time well now I have time and I'm starting to do more kinds of things
0: don't do but,
1: it <laughs> at, at its heart at the heart is I like a lot of landscape I like you know I, I like to go at my own pace and um I like to create this very detailed intricate universe that I can live in and and feel at peace in and have a place to go okay. I mean, I, the beauty of it is I can do it until I die
0: yeah it's funny i i'm right uh on my wall next to my computer here i have a letter that i i wrote to elmore leonard in 1995 and sent him a <laughs> I sent him a copy of an article i'd written in for the, the local weekly and you know told him how much i loved him i had name dropped him on an album and um I, I threatened him i said you know my dream is to someday write a novel or a mystery novel or something and, and i'm not sure what i said and um I got a letter back from him, typewritten yep. on a typewriter. And it's so sweet. And at the end of it, it, he goes on and on about the book he's writing and the movie uh, Get shorty that they're just making as he was writing this. And then at the end, he says, I better tell you right now, I don't read manuscripts or give advice. If I ever started, I wouldn't have time to do anything else. Besides that, it's work. Oh, I love <laughs> yeah. that. He was like 70 years old when he wrote that.
1: I just think that people out who who want to write I think sometimes that there's um it's a very insular world, and it's very clubby and 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 I, I feel like we need to really chip away at that, that you know, like don't give them all the power. Don't let that be this own, its own closed society. Like let's open it up. Let's, you know, and I also think that people in the world have so many dimensions. Like the fact that I have this job where I'm talking about revenue projections and, uh, you know, like (laughs) I I work in these, I worked at Deloitte, which is um, an AM, which are these big accounting firms. And I was in communications and we were like the bohemian, uh, you know, the bohemian practice. And it's like, you're hardly bohemian when you're talking about uh, (laughs) revenue, but it, it it is true that everyone that i've worked with over the years whether they were the most um straight hour actuaries or that everybody's got multitudes within them right and i just happened to to be writing novels i never really thought of it as so weird until um, or unique i just kind of thought well i've just always done it and not that's just and I've trained myself, I, I can, I have a very, one thing that is um, true oh. is that I have trained myself to have a very laser focus. Like when I'm doing one thing, if I'm, I am very focused on it and it's total immersion and um, I can go back and forth over the course of a day. Cause I do, but I am deeply, deeply immersed in what I'm doing when I do anything which is good and bad, but
0: but that's how I work. I can tell it's great. Well, I love this. Thank you so much for having spoken with me. Thank you, Jillian. And good luck with the new book.
1: Thank you. You too.
0: All right. Thank you so much for listening to wheels off. Please be sure to rate and review the show on iTunes. That helps us appear higher in the search results and lets other folks know that it's a cool podcast to listen to. Also, As the kids say, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere else that you listen to shows like this so that you never miss an episode. This has been Wheels Off, and I'm Rhett Miller, encouraging you to create every day. Thanks, y'all.